Years ago, as a young lieutenant, I received orders to attend the Army's Ranger School. One of the toughest things I ever did in my life, physically, mentally. Mentally tough because the Ranger instructors seemed to have a mindset that it was their mission to drive you out of the course, to get you to quit. So they made it very difficult from the first day. They would ration the food that you got. They would ration the sleep that you got. The hazing was amped up. The physical peace was pretty intense. When you don't have sleep, it's hard to think. When you don't have sleep and you don't have food, all you can think about is food. And I remember talking to my ranger buddies, and each and every one of them was fixated on a certain meal, and that's all they could think about. In my particular case, it was one of my mother's dishes called chicken paprika with dumplings. Now, I don't know why I thought that, but that was the food that I would dream about for hours on end while out on the perimeter or on the long patrols through the night. It was about one week into the program, and they rousted us out of bed at 3 a.m. and said, fall out and fall in formation, rangers. We're going on a five-mile run. Five-mile run when you're at ranger school is a run in formation, in step, in boots, and you sing. Here we go, all the way. Elbow, ranger. It sounds real fun, but it wasn't. Anyway, on this particular run, I don't know how far we'd run, but I knew that I was in trouble because the street lights started to spin. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm gonna pass out. But I couldn't pass out because if I didn't finish the run, I would be kicked out of the course. So somehow, I found the strength to put one foot in front of the other, keep going until I heard the sergeant say, quick time, march, which means walk. I knew at that moment that I'd finished the run, and down I went. I don't know how long I was out, but I remember waking up minutes later. There was myself and a couple other ranger buddies. We were propped up against the building, and the ranger instructor had a garden hose, and he was spraying us down with water, yelling and cussing at us, basically saying words like, I know your name, ranger. I'm going to get you. So I did what any smart individual would do. I jumped up, raced back to my unit, and I tried to melt into the crowd as best I could so that he couldn't find me. Eight weeks later, you know, I graduated, I got the Ranger tab, and I'm very proud to wear that tab today, but you don't necessarily graduate from Ranger school. You, you just persevere through every day until you have survived the X number of days and then you get the tab. You, you just survive. Now this is kind of a fun story to tell. And Ranger School, like the Navy SEAL program, are very, very difficult programs. But frankly, when it comes to some of the crosses that people carry in our lives, it pales in comparison. These programs are nothing. There are people amongst us today who are unemployed. It's not just the rejections of not finding work, but it's the ability to not be able to pay your bills and to not be able to provide your family. That stress must be intense. There are people among us today who are struggling with relationships with family or friends. 
And their sad, broken heart knows that it's going to be a long healing process. There are people amongst us today who are suffering from illness and injury. And they know that maybe they just have to suffer through this long ordeal of chemotherapy. Or maybe they have a huge mountain to climb to recover from their surgery. And finally, there are people amongst us today who've lost a loved one, either through death or possibly divorce. And as they look down the long road ahead of them, they realize that they're going to have to journey that alone. All of these groups have something in common, and that's that they only have one alternative. And that alternative is to persevere on, to carry that cross. If you are one of these people, or if you know someone who is carrying a cross like this, the homily today is for them, for you. The gospel means good news, and this gospel is full of good news because it teaches us how, through the example of a Canaanite woman, not just to persevere, but to persevere in prayer. So we begin with Jesus northeast of the Sea of Galilee in a district called Tyre and Sidon. He's far away from the hub of the Jewish populations. He's in deep, deep Gentile country, and we know why. He said, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, Jesus is saying, my priority is the chosen race, the chosen people, the Israelites, and I am looking for those who are scattered and spread afar. And then suddenly, this Canaanite woman appears on the scene. She must have been off in a distance, and she must have been yelling at the top of her voice, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. What a brave and courageous woman she must have been. What great gumption she had to speak up because she knew that she had three strikes against her before she even opened her mouth. First, from our Old Testament readings, we know that the Canaanites were ancient enemies of the Israelites. She was a Canaanite. Second, she was a woman. In the time of Christ, literally, women had no rights, no status, no authority. And finally, she was a Gentile. If you weren't Jewish, you were a Gentile. And if you were a Gentile, you were considered a second-class citizen. But three strikes against her didn't seem to bother her. And even the fact that Jesus tended to ignore her didn't seem to faze her. And then, oh, by the way, the disciples were shooing her away. Go away. Go away. And she stood fast. She didn't just stand fast. She ran up to Jesus, dropped to her knees, and said, Lord, help me. Now, Jesus can't ignore her anymore. She's kneeling right in front of him, and he says something strange. He says, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. In other words, my priority are the Israelite people, not 
the Gentiles. So why should I talk to you? Now this woman, this woman was not intimidated and she was not angry by being called a dog because she knew that the Jews tended to call Gentiles dog. But she persisted with some humor and again, great courage. She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I can't help but think that Jesus smiled when he heard that because his response to her was, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly from afar. Friends, this Canaanite woman shows us how to persevere in prayer. First, she starts with this amazing grace and faith. She wasn't necessarily taught that Jesus was a Messiah, but she believed it in her heart that he could cure her daughter. And she had this amazing faith that he was the Lord. Second, this Canaanite woman showed great humility. She knew exactly who she was. She was a nobody, and this was the Lord. But it didn't preclude her from asking for help. She just asked with great humility. And finally, this Canaanite woman showed persistence. With all the hurdles thrown in front of her, she did not give up. She would not give up. She said, this is for my daughter, and she pressed on. Faith, humility, and perseverance. Folks, that's how we make it through these crosses in our life. That's how we pray. So pray with me as we ask the Blessed Mother to intercede for us. Immaculate Mary, speak to your son on our behalf. Ask him to bless and protect us just as he did this Canaanite woman. Remind us often that our prayers will indeed be answered if we are convicted in our faith that your son Jesus is the answer. In the words of St. Paul to the Romans, may we rejoice in hope, be patient under trial, and persevere in prayer. Amen.